Step Up Glen Lama. What a weekend for sport involving uh, summer and the winter code. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Catherine. Okay, the main points out of the Rugby World Cup final. Oh, my goodness, where do I start? Um, <laughs> start with the players, well, and then we'll talk about well, the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff, isn't there? Um, the play, look, I've got to be honest, I thought South Africa, if you actually go right back to the start of the game, uh, probably deserved to win that, that match. Uh, they were never behind in the game. The All Blacks were never in front in the game. And a clear strategy, much as we kind of, some of us admire it, some of us don't. It's quite defensive. It's, uh, there was a lot of kicking in the, in the game from the Springboks. They executed it superbly and they won the match by one point. In fact, Catherine, it was very similar, I thought, to the 2011 World Cup, which the All Blacks won, even though they only won that one by one point. I didn't feel like France were were ever going to win that game. It was always um, the All Blacks to lose and the All Blacks played like they, uh, right the way through that game, played that they were going to win it. And it, it just felt like, that for South Africa this time. We we tried. We just couldn't get our nose in front. Uh, we we couldn't take our opportunities. Richie Mwanga dropped a ball, uh, which was which might have set up a try. Uh, we missed two goal kicks, which I thought was critical in the game too, Catherine. That conversion attempt. If, if Mwanga kicks that, the All Blacks are in front and probably might even go on to win that game. But. Geordie Barrett missed his long ranger. Andre Pollard, the Springboks kicker, he kicked a long range penalty in the first half. So I think on the balance of all the play, I think, you know, much as I hate to admit this, and probably I'll probably get the wrath of your listeners, uh, I, I probably think the right team won. I don't really care about who won. What upset me was what happened to the game of rugby during that match. And, and I don't want to be silly about it. Um, I don't actually think Wayne Barnes was the issue. He made some mistakes. He made mistakes on both sides. The problem was... And for me, the, the referee's part of sport. They make mistakes the same as the players do. But when you have half the mistakes, or some of the mistakes, picked up by someone sitting surrounded by TV screens and with minutes to go back and assess them, when you have some of those mistakes, then overruled and not others, then the, t- the, the tilting of fortune versus performance starts to get a bit askew. So, yes. what are your views on the way the TMO and the referee interacted? To what extent were there issues with their performance? And to what extent just the way this system is being used? Yeah, look, it all goes back to world rugby um, for me, Catherine. I, you know, I have some sympathy for Wayne Barnes and the TMO. They are trying to do their jobs based on a set of guidelines that's been provided by the sporting body. Uh, and uh, th- so and let's that's break where this the down. crux let's, of the matter, let's, matter. Let's, we have to go right back. Yeah, yeah, we have to go right back to the the even before. Take a step back further. Where do World Rugby want the game going? Mm-hmm. And this is where we're at at the moment. And this is what the officials have to deal with. And they are trying their best. But um, where these uh, rules are silly, Glenn, is that yes, you can pick up a, a, a knock on when a try is uh, scored, and back we go. And that's another whole story because that knock-on was arguably caused by a professional foul, so don't get me started. But anyway, you check <laughs> when the try is scored, but what about the blatant knock-on at a point where a turnover could have set up a possible try? It, it, it's skewed. The use of this very um, microscopic technology is used in parts of the game and not in other parts of the game, and it actually skews against the team that is scoring the tries. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, here's, here's my proposal after stewing on this for two days. 
the TMO gets involved only only where there is um, dangerous play, for example, the high tackles, uh, that's when they can insert themselves. The rest of the time, they're only involved when the referee calls for their assistance. That would immediately, to my mind, change what went wrong in that game. Yeah, look, the only issue with that is if Aaron Smith's try you're talking about there with the knock-on at the line-out, if that was the Springbok scoring that try then how would you feel that the referees and the officials have missed a knock-on at no, no, the no, line-out? But, but the knock-on, here's what set me off on that one, and this comes back to the yellow card system, the knock-on arguably was caused by the interference of the line-out jumper who was then penalised. And a try that was scored was overruled, no penalty try, no yellow card, by the way, either. And we, mm-hmm. we go all the way back for a knock-on for an offence that was caused by the earlier offence and to my mind, could have been a yellow card. And this is where the yellow card's driving me crazy. Last week against the... I only come in every now and then to watch rugby finals, right? But I've watched them for decades. So this is why this shocked me so much, how bad this stuff has got. I watched a fortnight ago a yellow card against halfback Aaron Smith for doing what any rugby, cricket, netballer, or anyone who's had a cup fall off the kitchen bench would do, which was a reflex putting out of the hand when the ball went past. He got yellow carded. And I watched the South African in the middle of our back line again stopping a potential scoring situation, waving his arms around in the air, telling everybody on earth he knew exactly what he was doing, and there was no yellow card. So if you're going to use these cards that take a player off the field for 10 minutes or a whole match, how do do you determine the difference, other than microscopic detail, between the red card for our captain and the not upgraded red card when, yeah, look, frankly, apart from some minute, someone's knees bent by two centimetres, it was the same thing. Yeah, look, it's, um, and, and, and you're, all of these questions and statements that you're making are 100% valid. And, you know, what confuses me is that, that Aaron Smith knock-on that you mentioned and the Cheslin Colby one in the, in the World Cup final in Rugby League, it's just a knock-on. There's no cards, there's no penalties, there's nothing. It's just a knock-on, the other team gets the ball, and it's play-on. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. The issue here, uh, Catherine, is this is what we're unfortunately where rugby has evolved to. It's really frustrating, uh, and I can understand everyone's frustrations and reactions out of that game. But unfortunately, this is where world rugby is at. We've got a lot of rugby people around the world saying the game is is in trouble, and I agree with them. It's not a spectacle at all. The only reason that game on the weekend was a spectacle was because it was close. That was all. It was an outstanding skill being displayed. There was frustration everywhere. So what can World Rugby do about this? First of all, they have to admit there's a problem. I don't know if they are ready to even admit there is a problem with their game, Catherine. History would suggest they don't because this has been going on for so long. It's not just one game. It is years now. The interpretation of foul play has been, uh, uh, you know, this. The, the the introduction of yellow and red cars to try and deter high tackles, foul I, I play. It's been, a, it's been a failure. It's been a failure because it's not changing behaviour of the players. The it's not changing the behaviour of the players. It possibly, it possibly is. One thing I'd noticed throughout this tournament was that they were tackling lower, the All Blacks, because if you tackle lower, you reduce the risk of the accidental head knock. And, and the, the impacts of th- those head impacts on players in the game, we can't ignore that. So if the card system are going to encourage 
encourage technical changes to reduce that risk, that's fine. But my point is where you had two equivalent, probably accidental head knocks caused by 120 kilogram forces of nature and the forces of, of physics, don't try and tell me there's a difference between one and the other. The sanction should be of the course. same. So of come, course. So come back to how other sports use the TMO. Cricket... It's a challenge from the team, right? And there's a limited number of challenges. There's got to be different ways to use the technology that doesn't make it solely the technology in a sport that's about human endeavour and human mistakes, Mm. Glenn, including the refs. Yeah, look, I I think the... The technology is here to stay, Catherine. We can't abandon it because there will be even more mistakes missed. Uh, and that so will that's just my other increase point. the if, go- if you're going to use that, that TMO, logic suggests you have to use it to revisit every single decision, every knock-on that's missed, every accidental offside that's missed, every forward passes that missed. We'll all stop and wait for the guy in the stands to stay, come back. Either that or get him out of the sport apart from the dangerous play and when the ref wants mm. to clarify, was a try scored, was there a knock-on, leave it to the ref to decide, not someone who's sitting scrutinising the screen for every minute of the game. Yeah, although, you know, on the other side of the equation, you've got the TMO up in the box analysing that Sia Khaleesi thing for 10 minutes. They're analysing the Sam Kane um, tackle and for 10 minutes. And that's what's so minutes. stupid They're about it. At, it's what's yeah, so but play, stupid about What I'm saying is players continuing. Players continuing at this time. The cards are being reviewed. They are looking at every single angle to determine uh, you know, whether to, 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 to come to a final judgment on that, that issue. So what I'm saying here is that that TMO and his team in the box, even though players continuing, they are looking at absolutely everything, considering Everything, but that's what's and, so and stupid, because do you seriously think yep. 120 yep. kilogram forward is as in control of every movement as that no, kind what of I'm minuscule sa- observation is? No, no, of course not. But what I'm saying is, is that in their determination in this game, they determined Sam Kane's tackle a higher, uh, met a higher threshold than Sia Khaleesi's. That's all I'm saying. And I think on the balance of what I saw, I think that's probably a fair decision. But, but... Am I saying that both of them should be yellow carded? I don't know. One was red carded. I don't think I remember. am. Okay. Well, enough. one was red carded, but enough. originally was yellow carded. Enough. Yeah. It was the most yeah. frustrating game of rugby I've watched in my entire life. You know what, life. though, Catherine? Simply, I will, oh, simply I just because add... the players did not get to play. You know, exactly. It was just, and it was and, just and everything's, everything's come to a head now. All of these years of frustration have come to a head in the most important game to the sport in four years. And in a way, let's hope good change comes out of this. But World Rugby do have to be careful uh, slightly, Catherine, because one of the reasons Rugby League was invented way back in the day was to take all of the subjectivity out of the game. And if World Rugby do have to make rule changes, they've got to be very careful to keep their identity and not make it more like Rugby League. That's all. That, that, that's one thing okay, that they'll probably let's talk about have to bear in mind. Because that was a bonzer. And who would have thought? And actually, the one thing I wanted to say in, in the All Blacks, um, uh, to the All Blacks credit, they actually... They actually got their game together when they lost their skipper. They never put their heads down. They never stopped oh, yeah. fighting. They, they, they turned in a, a sensational performance for 14 players against, well, 15. Uh, and and the, the, the challenges are the challenges. It was a gutsy, gutsy effort. But how gutsy were the Black Caps in chasing, seriously chasing down, right to the last ball, 388, wasn't it?
Yeah, it was an amazing effort from the Black Caps. Um, I thought when I saw the score after 10 overs when Australia were batting, they were already over 100. I thought, well, that's game over, isn't it? But a magnificent effort uh, by the Black Caps, even though they came up just short. And in fact, they, their, their guts and courage has kept their net run rate in a very good position, in a healthy position. So they're still, despite losing that game, in a fairly solid position to make the semifinals of the 50-over uh, World Cup. And I've got to take, uh, take a quick note here. Uh, Ravindra, how good has he been? He has come from nowhere. I know he's been highly promising, and there's been a lot of eyes on him for several years playing in the Wellington jumper. Everyone thinking this guy's going to be a superstar. Hasn't really fulfilled his potential until now. And with two centuries, one against Australia in double quick time, he shapes as a, a very key player for New Zealand in the in the future, which is exciting. That he, he looks like he'll like be a 10-year anchor, doesn't he? He looks like he's got oh, the makings of a 10-year anchor in, in that uh, yeah, batting lineup. Yeah, he looks lineup. very composed. Mm. Love him. Love him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and again, great to see, as I said, no one gave up, no one uh, folded. They fought right to the very, very end. So really fantastic, uh, really fantastic uh, to see. Now, one more. Uh, a result that was a bit lost over the weekend because we were all talking about, well, other things. <laughs> what do you want to highlight? <laughs> Yeah, look, I want to highlight the Kiwi Ferns, actually, the New Zealand Rugby League women's team. They beat Australia 12 points to six on uh, Saturday, and this was their first win for seven games. So it's been a long winless streak, um, given these two teams don't play against each other too often. So it was a great effort by the New Zealand uh, Kiwi Ferns to win that game. In the past, Catherine, before women's rugby league became professional, New Zealand used to beat Australia quite regularly. Uh, we had great athletes, but powerful women playing the game, and it was always too much for the Jillaroos, the Australian team, to, to, uh, to beat New Zealand. But but since professionalism, Australia have you know got their act together. They've resourced the game. The women have become a lot fitter and stronger themselves in Australia, and they've dominated New Zealand uh, in recent years. So really cool to see New Zealand finally turn the tables and win that game on the weekend by 12 points to six. So yeah, just a, a big shout out and a big shout out too to Tyler Nathan Wong, who was uh, in that team. Uh, she jumped on the plane after that one and went over to the World Rugby Awards yesterday, where she was uh, announced as the Sevens Women's Player of the Year. But she's already moved to another sport, which I found quite interesting. So uh, good on Tyler Nathan Wong for, for, um, for having a, a brilliant year in two sports for New Zealand this year the, the, in rugby and uh, rugby league. And we can hope the New Zealand men's team, the Kiwis, can do the same to Australia and Hamilton in their Pacific Championship final coming up on Saturday, Catherine. Glenn, thank you. It's been a remarkable winter of sport, a couple of winters of sport. God, we've needed it, haven't we? And uh, these sides have not let us down right across the codes. Just uh, amazing. Amazing matches to get deeply and passionately involved in. <laughs> Thank you so much. Glenn Lama, sports commentator.